Pleasure Seeker Podcast. I'm your host, Lydia Feldman, sex and pleasure coach, and I'm here to remind you of your natural birthright as a pleasure seeker. So listen on and create your most turned on orgasmic life. Today, what we're going to talk about is desire. And I think of desire as one of the top five pillars to a really hot, fulfilling, creative, intimate sex life. And when I think of stoking desire, there are three ways that I want to share with you today that can be super helpful. So before we get started, I want to ask you, if your partner turned to you and was like, what do you want? What do you like? What turns you on? And that question kind of freezes you up. Have you ever had that experience where you're like, I I don't know. I mean, like anything you want, whatever you like, whatever you're doing, keep doing that. (laughs) Or I'll know it when I feel it. It's challenging to articulate what it is that turns you on, what it is you like. And for a lot of times when I have a consultation with a client, I'll ask them too, like, what do you want? What do you desire? And A lot of the answers when things are not going that well in your sex life can be like, I just don't want sex to feel complicated. I don't want to feel like this is a chore or like I'm pushing it away. I want sex to feel fun and connected and passionate and just easy in my life. And again, if you were to drill down and get even more specific, still kind of blank. Like, I don't know. I just don't want it to suck. I want it to be pretty good. When we start thinking about desire and desire is kind of like the flower out of arousal, like when your body feels turned on, that blossoms into desire and your mind gets activated into, I want, I like, I want, yes, give me more of yes, yes, yes. So the desire is a yes function in your brain. So what we want to do is not be stuck kind of in this, like waiting for this spontaneous turn on to happen to us and for then our body to then tell us, yes, that's what I want more of. Because when that's not happening in your relationship in, in your day-to-day life, which for most women in long-term relationships, that is actually really hard. 95% of women don't experience spontaneous desire in a long-term relationship. So, um, how do we stoke our own desire to have that power more within our hands? So we're not left waiting and waiting and kind of like mysteriously, ambiguously stuck waiting for our own turn on. And really like that's when there's like all these obstacles in your life, that spontaneous spark of desire, which is a natural spark. We all experience varying degrees, the turn offs kind of squish that down. And we actually just don't experience the turn on. So when there's laundry at the end of your bed, or your kids are up playing video games next door, or um, you've got this email in your head that you're writing, and it's just like, uh, it's like kind of spinning out in your brain, or you're listening to your partner snore and fart or whatever, you're like, I don't know why I don't feel the spark anymore, but everything is like, oh, there's too many obstacles for you to feel your own desire, whether it be spontaneous, responsive, or contextual. All of us are contextual beings. So if someone slap your ass walking down the street, 
that context would be like not okay, not sexual context, then you'd be offended, right? Strange man hitting my ass, no. Um, but if you were in the throes of passion, a hot spank might be a total yes, more please. So context really filters through all of these types of desire. But let's start with the first type, which is spontaneous desire, which is that like see a hot person across the bar, you make eye contact, and it's a like turn on, spontaneous wanting. And for 75% of men, they continually experience this type of desire. Like that is the, see a sexy person walking down the street or open Playboy or, you know, watch a movie and a, and a sex scene's coming on. And it's like that, that spontaneous arousal and desire 75% of men experience regularly, as opposed to a mere 15% of women that experience that regularly. We operate in a patriarchal culture that honors and reflects a male experience. So if you are not of that 15% of women and you don't regularly feel that like turn on from the world around you, nothing has gone wrong. In fact, it's actually quite normal. The second type of desire is called responsive desire. And that you can consider that to be like your body is responding to a stimulus. And so that basically after sexy things are happening in your body around you, then you feel desire perk up. So if you're waiting for the sexy turn on, if you're waiting for the desire to give you the green light to start sexy time, but your body is actually waiting for the sexy time to start up the desire, you're kind of in a catch 22. You see, waiting to be turned on in order to initiate sexual context, sexy time. So, and for that, 30% of women experience responsive desire as opposed to 5% of men. And these quotes are from Emily Nagowski's Come As You Are. So definitely pick up a copy of that book. It's so great. <laughs> when we think about pleasure, we want to be dropping down into the body and allowing that sense of ease and openness to trigger the arousal, to open us to desire. Think of this in like as an example. So let's say you are sitting at in bed with your partner. The house is quiet dishes are done, you've taken a shower, you're cuddled up and you're watching Netflix and you go to watch the next, it says like next episode and you're like, should we click it? And your partner turns to you and they say like, hey, do you want to watch another movie or should we like go to bed? Kind of like dot, dot, dot. And then you think, oh. your body feels relatively relaxed. You feel good and connected to your partner and you consider that option as like, that could be pleasurable. The green lights are turning on and there aren't too many red lights of like break, 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 break. No, not too many obstacles. Yeah, let's do it. You're not going into bed with spontaneous desire, like hot and ready, but there's a responsiveness. You are responding to the stimulus and your the context is pretty favorable. Scenario number two, you are really stressed out you're PMSing, the kitchen's still a mess, and you're like, oh, I gotta write that thing, I gotta write this person back, and you had this really weird interaction with your sister, all the things, like your brain and your body are just like, oh, I just can't wait to get to bed. And then your partner is like, hey, hey, what's up? You wanna talk, you wanna like get a little frisky? No, 
No. So the context there is not favorable. There is no sexy context for you to respond to, and there is no desire or spontaneous desire to feel that connection or that like segue into sex. So the third situation is, let's say your partner is on a business trip and they've been traveling. And in this like past week and a half, you've been like texting and flirting back and forth and saying like, oh, this is what I want to do when we get back. And maybe you think, oh, I can't wait to like kiss them and wear this new lingerie that I bought. And then you send pictures and you're flirting and it gets like even more heated and the tension is palpable. It's building. It's there's desire that's building and building and building. There's anticipation. So the moment they walk in the door, your body is primed and ready because you've got, you've been stoking that desire. It feels like spontaneous desire. When you see them, it's like, yeah, yes, you're already a yes. So what feels like spontaneous desire can also be something that is stoked through attention and intention. These are just several examples of how to start paying attention to your desire and how to actually support your desire within your relationship. Another way of thinking about desire is really, it's like, as your body starts to turn on, it's like your curious mind that wakes up and says like, yes, and more, please. I want, it's part of your primal brain that gets to like create in your life. The three ways that I want to help you today, just start to explore how to use and stoke that desire. The first one is exploring your turn off. So this is kind of like, what are the breaks that are blocking you from that natural turn on and that desire and curiosity? So when I ask you what turns you on and you're like, I don't know, like, Oh, candles. It's like what works. It's hard to notice where you have a sensational reaction. And it might be easier to start with like, what are the breaks? Like what annoys you? What frustrates you? What blocks you from getting turned on? And on one level, it might be, you know, the dirty laundry or the argument that you had in the morning or, um, you know, like the kids, sleeping next door in the bedroom next door. Oh, the kids are here. I can't, I can't do that. So it could be a situational thing. And it could also be something that like you are like reacting to as like a no, that you're actually, there is something underneath it that is worth exploring. I want you to think of times in your life when you have felt kind of triggered by someone else's sex life or by sexual stimulus around you or by some context, like whether it's in the, the news or the media or uh, listening to a friend describe their sex life, whatever it is where you, where you are hearing something and you're like, oh, no, weird, gross, or not okay. And there's no, nothing wrong with that knee-jerk reaction or the judgment or the criticism of that um, or the disgust. But we do want to notice like you're having a reaction to it, a sensational reaction. As I started my own kind of sexual exploration post kids, I was having lunch with a girlfriend of mine who in my mind was like super sexy and turned on and like had a great relationship with her husband. And she mentioned that she was going home to go have like this sexy rendezvous in the afternoon. And I literally remember thinking, 
like, what, how do you even do that? Like, who does that? <laughs> like, how do you even have the energy and desire? Like I had no desire at the time to do something like that. I was like, wow, that's crazy and cool for you. We got into this conversation about sex and she basically was like, it sounds like your sex life is really boring and you're just ordering off this tiny little menu of items that you can do very vanilla stuff. In that moment, I felt really frustrated and really offended. And as I kept churning that conversation over and over again, I would yo-yo between like, she is so rude and I hate her. And I, everything about her is so terrible. And you know, like putting the blame on her and then putting the blame on myself that like, I'm so terrible. I don't know what I'm doing. I should hire a sex coach. I'm broken. And like, I have zero libido. I have nothing to go off of. So, and I'm like, just waiting for the turn on to initiate. And I'm never turned on both scenarios of that reaction that like triggery, angry, frustrated, shamey reaction that was coming up. If on the surface was like a bothersome situation right underneath there was a desire, my desire to have a more embodied experience, to trust myself in my body and in my pleasure and what I wanted and exploring it at my own pace. And just that I wasn't broken, like totally wanted that experience. (laughs) Sometimes when we have a trigger that comes up where we're like, how could they cheat? How could they go on vacation without their kids? And how could they, uh, you know, spend $500 a month on sex coaching. Who does that? Like gross and perverted. And when you think of that reaction, I would never, I could never. We want to notice that as like, that is a significant reaction that we want to dial back, slow down and get curious about why. Why is it a turnoff? Why is it a turnoff that someone else is having ecstatic, blissful sex in their fifties. We want to focus on what we are noticing about our sexuality, our sex reactions, sexual reactions, because you get a lot of good information there. The second piece is um, exploring your imagination. So if desire is of the mind, arousal is of the body, and it triggers desire in the mind, which then of course triggers arousal in the body, where does your mind go to play? And if our imagination is spent a good chunk of that waking imagination in anxiety and fear and kind of imagining worst case scenarios, we want to intentionally guide our imagination into pleasure, into intentional dreamy manifestation, and by all means, hot erotic fantasy. What kinds of places does my mind go? And I'm going to link up a worksheet that I have that you can fill out too on your own time. It's called the Fantasy Ninja Worksheet. And you can go through and do these questions as well. But essentially, we want to think like who, what, where, when, why of our fantasy life? Like what is actually a fun setting? Where does my fantastical, sexy alter ego that gets to wear latex, that gets to fly, that gets to have like the perfect body, whatever that means to you, where does she get to play today? And like why and who interchange the characters. And another great place to start is your memory too, of like, can I 
excavate some of my erotic memories that have been 100% for me, like my hot sex life, my hot fantasy life, and let your imagination really start guiding you through what turns you on. And remember, none of these explicit situations of your mind necessarily need to happen in real life. So if you notice some part of your reaction to your fantasy life is shamey or weird or wrong or like, oh God, who I shouldn't think about that. Just notice it, set it to the side, recognize that really none of these stories in your mind mean anything. Like it's all just made up. So you can switch out characters that don't serve you if they feel kind of like icky uh, or emotionally laden. You can just switch it out. Really what we want to do is just start tracking, like, where does my mind get to go? And think of it as like a smutty modification <laughs> of what your mind gets to do. Like we want dirty fucking minds, guys, come on, like, let's keep it interesting. Really what that does, it helps you kind of like feel your own power within your sex life. And you are the advocate of your own turn on. The third piece is flirtation. And I think of flirtation as foreplay. That is what's like enticing, inviting, um, like playing, teasing all the way from one orgasm to the next. Esther Perel has a great quote that's called foreplay begins at the end of the last orgasm. As in, we are constantly wanting to flirt with ourselves, flirt with our partners, flirt with the context that we are creating. How can your life feel more flirtatious? Flirtation begins from the minute you wake up and you're playing in your imagination and your fantasy. You're noticing sexual context and stimulation and stimulus all around you. You get to decide, all right, how do I want to interact? How do I want to feel flirtatiously? I think of flirtation as the art of maybe, like maybe something will happen. Maybe I like you. Maybe I think you're attractive. Maybe I'm imagining you naked. Maybe, maybe, maybe. This is the subtext of adorable, delicious, flirtatious, erotic, sexy, enticing, hot ferocious. And you get to put that subtext into your interactions, not just with your partner, but with everyone, everything, and keep playing with it. And really what this does is for you to start feeling and stoking your own turn on, your own desire. Here are some ways to uh, create very low key, low pressure, low expectation for result flirtation in your life spending more time in physical touch with yourself as in like putting on lotion in the morning or styling your hair and letting it feel a little more sensual. It might be how you dress in a more flirtatious way. And really this is for you and your own style. So you feel the turn on, you feel your own self desire. And it could look like, um, possibly wearing sexier underwear or interacting with your partner in a more affectionate way, French kissing in the morning, setting yourself up for a more sexual context later in the day. <laughs> and, you know, it's like prepping yourself to be desirous. 
to be paying attention to what I want. And that's like following your yes, following the yes in your life that helps you feel like I know what yes feels like in my body. I know when I'm a lukewarm, maybe I know how to be like bump myself up to a yes. What can I feel like a yes about? So let's say in you're sitting down at lunch and you're thinking, how can I flirt with myself by myself at lunch, ordering off a menu? Lydia told me to do this. It's supposed to help. I'm supposed to be creating and stoking desire. We want to notice what yes feels like in your body. So when you look at the menu and you're reading through it and you think like, oh, that's a maybe. The mushroom soup is a no. The pear salad is a maybe. Oh, and salmon. Ooh, that feels like, that feels like a good, uh, yes. Play with the, with testing within yourself. What is the yes? And where do, where can I keep the yes without watering it down into like a lukewarm blah? I don't even really want this, right? So we want to create the conditions for our own yes, our own spark, our own desire. And that's a metaphor, but it's also actually helpful in creating desire for pleasure, desire for turn on, desire for your partner. And so when you add that in and you say like, well, Yes, it's the ordering up the menu. Add that same kind of yes energy into how we interact at dinner time, how we, you know, organize the house later in the evening, how we plan for intimacy later after lights out. You know, these might seem like simple little things that are insignificant, but when we create anticipation, our desire goes from something outside of us that happens to us spontaneously to something that we can continually play with and stoke and be the advocate for, that we are always in communication and in this like flirtatious dance with ourselves, our environment, and our partners that we want to play with. So those are three simple little ways to create a little more chemistry for your own desire, both, you know, notice your turn offs and get curious about them. Why? And attend to them. If there are things you can fix, clear the laundry. If there are things to explore, keep asking why. Number two is explore your imagination. Really get into like what, where does my mind get to wander that does feel good? And number three, keep the flirtation going. Flirtation as a constant foreplay, a constant warming up so that turn on doesn't have to go from zero freezing to boiling in 10 to 15 minutes, that you've been warming yourself up all day long. So you're ready to go and connect a little easier in the evening or whenever. Okay. So that's my two cents on desire today. Uh, the next few episodes, I'm just going to go through the five main keys in creating a hotter, better sex life. If you're curious about this. And if you are ready to start working on your sex life, my October salon this year is going to be better sex in 60 days. And so essentially over the course of two months, we will break down and practice each of these principles and both in group coaching and one-on-one -on -one coaching really put it all into practice. If you're interested in that program, please DM me, uh, Lydia at Lydia Feldman coaching. If you want to do a email or you can DM me on Instagram uh, at Mrs. Lydia Feldman. So get in the group a thousand dollars. It's going to be super productive and we'll kind of break down each of these five elements.
desire, arousal, orgasm, relationship, and context. All right, my friends. So, so fun. Talk to you soon. I'd love to hear from you and know what pleasure topics you want to hear more about. Also, if you're curious about one-on-one coaching or any of my group coaching salons, message me on Instagram at Mrs. Lydia Feldman for a consultation and see how pleasure coaching can transform your life.